Let's all stand. Good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. There's a, a book in our bookstore that I would encourage all of you either get it here or somewhere else. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But uh, Pastor Robert Norris, A Beyond Blessing. And uh, I would like to read that book uh, when I first got saved uh, because it is a powerful, one of the most powerful books I've ever read. Every single one of you here tonight have a desire to be out of debt. Every single one of you uh, tonight want to have more financial abundance than you currently have. And then if you have the right attitude spiritually so that you can give more as the Lord directs, then you want more because uh, he, he has a part in his book there <clears throat> where he walks around with $100 bills. And uh, as the Lord leads him, he just likes to give somebody a $100 bill. And up until this one particular point in time, he never told anybody uh, what he was doing. And uh, one day it came out in the message that he had shared about a person giving out a $100 bill. He was really talking about himself, but he didn't use himself. And after the service, uh, his daughter came up to him and said, Dad, uh, that person is you. And he said, how do you know that? She, she said, I know your heart. Uh, everybody say, I know my heart. And so does God. And uh, he said, well, yeah, honey, you're right. And uh, he said, there was a day I couldn't do that. There was a day. I, somebody gave me a, a really nice gift not too long ago. And uh, when I first got it, I was thinking, well, it was cash. It was actually cash. And uh, I was thinking <clears throat> what to do with it. Uh, my first thought, was what was I going to buy? That, that was my first thought. And then I caught myself, and, uh, and I felt like the Lord said, why don't you just give it away? And uh, instantly, whatever I was thinking about buying went away, and that's what I wanted to do. There was a day when I couldn't afford to do that because I didn't have that. You can afford to do anything you have. But there was a day I didn't have anything to give away, so it didn't matter what I wanted to give away, I didn't have it. <clears throat> and Robert Morris talked about how God, over the years, has blessed him that now he can give $100 away. But he said, it used to be I could only give 20s, I could only give 5s, I could only give a dollar. It's not what you give, it's when you give as the Lord directs you. And if you're in the habit of doing that now, you may be here and say, well, I am totally in debt and I don't have anything but a dollar. You have. Everybody say, I have. You got a dollar to give away. And uh, if you don't have that book, I'd encourage you to go back there and buy it. If you can't afford to buy it, tell them a uh, pastor said you can have it and they'll, they'll just give it to you. But you need to read that book because it'll change your life. Bill and Sue, how long have you guys tithed? Did you tithe when you could afford it, or did you tithe when it didn't look like maybe you could afford it? You just did it because it was the right thing to do, didn't you? And what have you seen? Blessing after blessing after blessing. They can hear me, but they can't hear you. <clears throat> what has tithing done for you, Sue? Well, I truly, uh, we've had some real sparse times during our life as a Christian following God and I can say that and through a lot of mistakes and and doing the wrong thing God still honored our giving and and even when I got mad at God I did Bill <laughs> he, he was big enough to take it from me I thank him because he is faithful even when we're not 
He is always faithful. You will never, never regret giving, giving. You will be so blessed. You will see the hand of God move like you have never. And the other thing is, learn how to harvest. Can I say this? You say anything you want. Come on up here. Come on up here. Yeah, say anything you want. Well, for years we did. We always tithed. We, we gave when we had extra. But recently I've learned how to harvest. And that takes more work than giving. And that seems very contrary. But, you know, I grew up on a farm. And I know that my mom and dad, you know, they were in the fields at night. They were planting. But when harvest came, you had a window of time to get it in. And you know, somebody said, when we, when we plant as Christians, we have to go out there and get it. Because we do have an enemy who wants to steal from us and take everything that God has for us. So I really encourage you, begin to read those scriptures that said, give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, yeah. running over. God will give to you, but you have to start and take, you know, take your authority against the thief who will come to steal everything that God wants to give you. You got to do that. And that's part of harvesting and believing that you're going to see 30, 60, 100 fold return. It's so exciting because then you can really see that God will move in your heart. You'll be able to do things that God wants done in this earth that you never dreamed you could do. I'm excited. Amen. Amen. Bill, you've tithed a long time. What would you say to people out here right now? They say, well, sorry for you guys because, you know, you, you've, worked a lot, uh, you've worked hard, you've got a lot of money and all those kind of things. And so it's a lot easier, you know, for you. What, what do you do? To, what do you say to people out here who say, I, don't have, I can't even pay my bills. How, how am I going to tithe? Uh, we've been in that situation as she mentioned uh, there was a time I made a big mistake in our checking account I don't know if she remembers it or not but we had uh, about five days to go before I got paid again and we didn't have a dime in the house I mean literally no dime in the house nor did we have any food at that time but we had heard somebody talk one time about there will come a day when you'll have to pray and then open your oven and the food will be there so we prayed and we agreed and we said, well, God, you're going to have to provide because we have a covenant as tithers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really funny because I heard a noise. She didn't hear it. I went out, opened the door, and there were bags of groceries. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's give the Lord a hand. Anybody else want to hear a quick, give a quick praise report on tithing? Because it is, it is so important that we all understand this because we're not on we're not all on equal footing with the finances we have i understand that but we are come on up here Thelma. but uh, come on uh, uh chris uh, but we all are we are all on equal footing spiritually with god and his word so go ahead and sit down for a second here we all know that the word of god is truth he's not a man that he can lie and you cannot outgive God. I'm telling you, the more I give, the more he gives back to me. It's a constant. And I have to give him all the praise. I'm, he has blessed me beyond measure. 
He takes care of me. He is a good God. And if you remember, it doesn't belong to you anyway. It's a lot easier to give. And, and who else do you know is just going to let you keep 90% and you only give them 10%? Try going to the bank and try to give that. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you for sharing that. You know, as much, I, I enjoy receiving, but nothing blesses me more than giving. Nothing blesses me more than giving. Chris, come on up here. No, I just wanted to say real quick, um, uh, I come from an accounting man who taught me how to budget every two weeks when I got paid. So I have maintained that little file for years. My husband can't stand it, but it works. But what I wanted to say is for years when I would do the bills, I would put tithe and list it as a bill. And that is the worst thing you can do. The tithe is not the bill. It's not a debt that, that you owe someone. It is a freely gift, giving back to God of what he has given to you. So I removed that. I took that from what our pay was and then based the bills on what we had left. That way I never had to worry that I could pay the tithe. So if you worry, what am I, I, remember, I remember being a single mom with Aaron. I made $270 a week. And my dad said, what's your tithe? 27. Okay. And I did $27 every week or, you know, every two weeks that I could. And he was always faithful. I may have lost a car along the way, you know, because of my stupid mistakes or whatever, you know, made some debt. I don't know. But you, when you, when you stop doing those stupid things and you say no more and you start over, just start over. If you're making mistakes today, start making better choices tomorrow and start giving. That's awesome. Give, give Chris a hand. <clears throat> you know, if you have children, <clears throat> you really, one of, the, one of the greatest things you can do for them is to teach them to tithe. And if they don't want to, then command them to tithe. Because kids don't always do what you want them to do, but parents are supposed to discipline their children, and that's a blessing for them. You tithe, uh, of course, you you tithe long ago before we even met. I didn't, but uh, you, you started. Did you just hear the message one day and say I should do it or what? Yeah, Charles Hackett. I mean, he taught you to tithe at First Assembly. And uh, I got saved in the Methodist church, and I had an envelope, and you just put in whatever you felt like. But when I got over to First Assembly, uh, and by that time I was a single mom, and, and they talked about the tithe, and they explained it, so I just did what they told me. Um, and I never, I don't ever think I ever thought about that. But as I've grown in that, for what's coming, the end time harvest. Um, a few years ago, you know, God told me for a year, don't take your check. I mean, it didn't put us in bankruptcy or anything, but it was money that we counted on. It was like uh, extra for things that we had need of. But anyway, I did. And then a couple of years later, uh, the church was in a position where I felt like I, I felt like God said, just let yours go. But then he said to me, you know, you are sowing. But I didn't even think about that at the time. I, I just let go because I felt there was a need that God was asking me to do. So, But he said, that's sowing. You will reap. And I never thought about it till after it was all over. This was like a year later. And um, then he began to say, just give whenever I tell you. 
and I'll teach you. And I way back there, I don't remember if you remember Sue, but back when we were praying early in the morning, I heard, I'm going to let you handle millions. I thought, millions? I mean, we don't have millions. But I heard that. And, but then just recently, who was preaching? Dan, I think on Sunday I was sitting there. And I don't know what Dan said, but God said to me, I told you, you're going to handle millions. And this is why. Because you always give when I tell you to. It's not the amount, folks, although we should tithe. I mean, that just became like not even a question. I don't know how God did it in me. I can't take any credit for it. They just said, do it, so I did it. Um, but the giving when you don't have, like having no food for your kids and have somebody put groceries on your porch and God say, go give the neighbor all of, one of everything that you got. And even though I need it so badly and I'm by myself, I take one over next door and give it. They don't even need it, probably, the lady next door. She wondered what was wrong with me. But I, I would, whatever I got, I'll go take her some of it. What it is, is learning that whatever you have really belongs to God, doesn't belong to you. And there's a word called stewardship that's in this book Bill read. But stewardship is very important to God. The first place he tests us with stewardship is in the tithe. Because he said, this belongs to me. You know, everything you have, you will leave here when you go to heaven. I've done enough funerals. There is not a big bank account of money or a big pile of money in a casket. And so, you know, eventually it will all get left. And so that, to me, whatever I have belongs to him. But the first place he says, can you handle money for me? It's not about giving me the money because I need it, although it says he has need in the storehouse. It's about me knowing that he'll take care of me and that then it says the wealth of the riches are laid up for the, you know, for the us. Well, he's going to give that money to people that will steward it, not take it for themselves. And so now this last year, when God would give me any extra money, it, it's become my seed pile. I just love that seed pile because it's, it's really like handling it. I give it wherever he says to give it. And it's not necessarily a lot of money all the time, but it is learning to give like he does. It's not about money. It's about giving. God gives. He gives health. He gives wholeness. He gives us friends. He gives us peace. He gives us all those things. But it starts with us understanding that he owns it all. And we're just giving him what he said belonged to him. And like Thelma said, 90% is ours. Now, I lived in the day where 90% wasn't very much. But over time, I just can't even believe how good God is and how he has taken care of us in this church. And we have, we've had been down to zero. We've been down to minus a zero on some of our Monday reports. But God always comes through. He always comes through. So I say to you, don't, if you can't tithe, don't not give. Still give. Even if it's less than the tithe. I've, I, I believe in tithing. But the most important thing is that you learn to give. So every time the offering goes by, Anytime you hear God say give, out in the public or anywhere, do it. And then it will it'll begin to flow back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So then you ask God, what do I do with this? Is this mine or is this yours? <laughs> is this mine to spend on me or mine to give to somebody else? And then you begin to become like a partner with God in taking care of 
the people that God's put in the earth. And um, it's, I'm just, I'm in awe of what I would have never thought that we would have. I mean, we lived paycheck to paycheck, pastoring this church for years, pay, paycheck to paycheck. And uh, I made a rounding amount of 12,000. Pastor Bill made 30. And we had a house and we had kids and we had all these things. And it wasn't that many years ago. But I want to tell you, God multiplied that back. And he's always taken care of us. So when I see that big building down on, on 52, and I see the size of our congregation, that doesn't even faze me. Because we're going to handle millions. And if we got that million, that building, there'll be millions to handle, Helena, or any building, or whatever God gives us. But this is practice time. And God will not promote us if we don't get this. Why? Not because he doesn't love us and he has favorites. Because you can't handle it. And I've seen what's happened to some people where they had too much and they're not here anymore because it all became for them and not what God really intended. So um, I believe in giving. Amen. Give her a hand. <clears throat> you know, uh, God rewards good stewards the whole section in the Bible a couple of them but Pam said something that is extremely important God's definition of a good steward is number one they tithe and that then he knows that he can trust that person as being a good steward and and the message is not on tithing tonight I just feel like it's where the Holy Spirit wants to go for right now but in my life I did not believe in tithing when I was saved, when I was going to Bible school, it wasn't that I didn't believe in it. I knew it was in the Bible, but I didn't think I could afford it. So there's no way I could do it. And so occasionally I would tithe. And I know some of you have heard this story, but this is your key to get out of debt. This is your key to have abundance in your life. This is your key to have the, the finances flowing into you so you can flow more out of you and bless other people. It is the tithe. I believe it with all my heart. It is the tithe. <clears throat> and it takes faith to do it. If you don't have faith, you can't do it. But if you have faith, you can do it. And I remember the day, and I know most of you have heard this story, when I had a $100 check I found in our checkbook. It was a tithe check. I hadn't turned it in. It was accumulated a little bit, and uh, we didn't have money for groceries. And I had a decision to make. Hold on to the check or turn it in. And I remember going over and talking to Pam about it, and she said, do whatever you think. And I knew what she meant, turn the tithe check in, but she said, do whatever you think. And I was, I was just so close to putting that tithe check back in the checkbook and saying, God, I'll pay you later. Uh, not that we're paying God with the tithe, because we're not, but I'll take care of it later. And, and I knew it was the wrong thing to do. So I took it over to the finance department, I turned it in, I went back into my office, sat down at my desk, and began to cry. I was not able to take care and provide for my family. I was not able to take care of our budget. Uh, we didn't have a budget because I could never figure out how to make a deficit budget. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things that, that was just, it was a weight on me that was unbelievable. And I remember sitting there crying, thinking, God, you're going to have to show me it's real. Now, the word of God in Malachi says, test me and find out whether or not it's real. If I'll not open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing, there'll be not room enough to contain, and I will rebuke the devil 
off of your life and off of your family. My goodness, who wouldn't want that? Yeah, amen. And, and we all want that. Let's all say it, I want that. <clears throat> and I remember going ahead and putting that tithe in. And that afternoon, just before the evening classes at Victory Bible Institute started, June Austin, I'll never forget this, it changed my life, came in, handed me $100 and said, God spoke to me this afternoon and said, you need, you need to take this to Bill Mickler, he'll know what it is, and handed me that $100. Settled the issue. At the time, $30,000 in debt, not able to take care of the family, and God took care of all of that over a period of time. Tell your neighbor, he'll do the same thing for you. He really does. He wants to set you free. Father, I thank you for your presence here tonight. I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you that your word is truth. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, let's lift up Sheila, um, Sheila uh, Archer. And uh, we need to continue to pray for her. She is fighting the fight of faith for her life. And uh, in Jesus' name, we are believing that she's going to win that fight. Because by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, she's already won it. So, Father, we pray for Sheila. We pray for Archie. We pray for the fight of faith that Sheila is in, and we speak forth healing, 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 healing in Jesus' name. We speak to her mind to be still. We speak to her mind to stay renewed. We speak to her mind to stay focused. We speak to Archie to be able to get rest, and that in Jesus' name, let's see the manifestation of this miracle that has already been proven by your word and by the woman with the issue of blood. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name, and everybody said... Let's also, eventually we're going to get to this message, let's also pray for the governor of the state of Ohio. <clears throat> Something is going on over there. Governor Kasich is no longer over there. He was a Christian, too. He is a Christian. But they had passed in previous years over there <clears throat> with the House and the Senate legislation, uh, I think that's correct, Leg uh, the House and the Senate I passed it under John Kasich's governorship, but he vetoed it because he said it'll be overturned by the courts. The legislation is to determine when a child is a child, and that when the heart beats, that legislation stated that that is a child in the womb, when the heart beats. Now, everybody has difference of opinion, conception is whatever. I think we can all be in agreement that if the heart's beating, that is a living person in that womb. Well, <clears throat> he, he did not sign e any of it that came through. The new governor has an opportunity right now. The, the House and the Senate has signed it in the state of Ohio, and now it's going to go to the governor, and if he signs it, it will become law. Now, everybody over there and a lot of people say, well, the courts are just going to overturn it. Yes, that's probably true, but it can be the thing that works its way through to the Supreme Court. And in Roe versus Wade, the decision was made by the Supreme Court justices then who made the wrong decision, but did state in that decision that if it can ever be determined when the child is an actual child and when it is alive, even in the womb, it would overturn Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade is the biggest demonic act that has ever taken place on the face of the earth. Father, we pray for the state of Ohio. We pray for the governor of the state of Ohio. Let him sign that legislation. 
And no matter how many courts along the way turn it over, let it get to the Supreme Court and let the Supreme Court justices come to their senses, just like the prodigal son in the, in the, in the pig pen. Let them come to their senses that this is the right thing to do. We pray for it. We believe for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, okay, let's all stand one more time, and we're going to make two confessions, and they are both true, and they are both awesome. The first one is, <clears throat> I am here on purpose. Because I have a purpose, my heart is open, my mind is ready to receive, because God is not finished with me yet. How many of you believe that's true? Glory to God. Now let's make the oldie but the goodie. <clears throat> the Word of God is true. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell you, neighbor, it's just that simple. This, you can be seated. This is not rocket science. This is really simple stuff. God says it, we do it, we get blessed. God says it, we don't do it, we don't get blessed. It's really that simple. We are not under God's auspices enablement children. He is not going to enable us not to do what is the wrong thing. He's going to hold us accountable when we get to the age of accountability for his word. And you are all at the age of accountability. So let's talk a little bit about finding your keys. Uh, very apropos, how many of you have ever lost your keys? Can I see your hand? And we've all probably lost them. I know sometimes my wife will say, where are my keys? I was going to use you as an example. I got out of the car tonight to come in here, and I said, where are my keys? I don't know where my keys are. Very appropriate message. Uh, where are our keys? We lay them down here. We lay them down there. We lay them down every. How many of you know a person, maybe not you, but a person, they seem to be prone to always laying their keys down someplace and can't find them. Can I see your hands? Okay, so <clears throat> you all understand it. I try to lay my key down in the same place all the time at home. Sometimes I forget, and then I have to go look for it. Well, we've all heard this many, many times. In the beginning, and we're going to talk about what keys really represent in the Bible, but in the beginning, man had the keys and the power and the authority and the dominion on this earth. And if you read Genesis, I'm going to slip through some of this or skip through some of it, but whoever's on PowerPoint, is that you, Sandy? I didn't know you did set PowerPoint. Do you do a good job? Is that Sandy? We're watching. But in the beginning, in Genesis, it talks about how man was in the garden and that, and that let us make man our own image uh, and he'll have dominion over everything on the face of the earth. Now stop and think about this. Man was in the Garden of Eden, totally protected by God and by the spirit of the living God in that whole environment. But yet, the devil was in the area, as were a third of the devils from heaven. The powers and principalities, former angels, they were all there. But God gave man the keys to the kingdom in the garden and said, whatever you say, it's going to be that. You have total authority and total dominion. How would you like to live in an environment like that? you got total authority, total dominion. I don't know exactly how this works, but obviously the devil was under the authority and the command of Adam. 
the powers and principalities of darkness that have been cast out from, from heaven to earth were outside the garden, but they were under the authority of Adam because the word of God says Adam had authority, dominion, and power over everything on the face of the earth. <clears throat> so he was doing fine until he listened to something that contradicted what God wanted him to do. So the keys were taken from him. They had to be purged out of the garden, and they lost their keys. Can I see the hands of anybody that's ever lost your keys? <clears throat> I lost my house key not too long ago. I left it somewhere. I forget where it was. And somebody, I forget when it was right now, but I didn't have the garage door opener. I couldn't get in the house. Without the key, you have no authority to get into your house. And in the Bible, keys represent authority. Uh, so anytime you see the word keys, it means in the Greek, it means it's, the, it's your authority. Now, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is talking about what he has done for mankind and specifically talking to Peter as he responds in Matthew chapter 16. And he basically said, hey, Peter, who do, who do the people say that I am? And, 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 you know, he asked some of the others and they said, well, maybe this, maybe that, whatever. But Peter said, you are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. And he said, what well, flesh and blood, Peter, has not revealed that to you. But my Father, who is in heaven, has revealed that to you. How many of you have had revealed to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that you know that you know that you know? Can I see your hands? And let's all say, I know that I know that I know. So therefore, it's just as if Jesus were talking to us, who am I? And we say, we know who you are. You are the Son of the living God. Then he goes on to say, you are, the, uh, I'm sorry, then Jesus answers and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Now, this is one of the most important scriptures in the entire Bible. How many of you are, scripture, uh, scripture, uh, how many of you are creatures of habit? Can I see your hand? If your hand is not raised, you're just not paying attention. You are all creatures of habit. Let's all say it. If you don't like to say it, don't say it. But let's all say, I am a creature of habit. There are certain things in your life, you are a creature of habit. I'm not going to say all of this, but every time we get ready to go somewhere, I go to the bathroom and brush my teeth. Is that, that true? Okay. Pam always makes fun of me. Then when we go somewhere, we get to city limits, she's got to go to the bathroom. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was supposed to be funnier than it was. But, that, but she always makes fun of me, and I, and I understand it. But, but here's, here's what you have to understand. If you get a discipline in your life, it becomes a habit in your life. And what Jesus is about to say here as we read it is so true. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Disappear. There it is. And I, I'll say to you, uh, Peter, on this rock, on this revelation, I will build my, my uh, church and the gates of hell, gates of hell, the devil, cannot prevail against it, cannot prevail against it. Now, it goes on to give us the most important thing. I will give you, I will give you, those people that have this revelation, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And if you use them, they'll work. But if you don't use them, they won't work. But if you'll take the key and put it in your hand and utilize it, it's going to unlock everything that I have for you for authority and power 
and dominion. And it says this. It says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, when you stop and think about this, we're talking about the heavenlies. We're not talking about where God lives. Where God lives, he does not need our prayer. So everybody say, God does not need my prayer. He does not need your prayers to put his kingdom in order. He was able to do that totally without you. He needs our prayers to be praying and letting him know what we need. But the, where God lives, it's okay. Everybody say, where God lives, it's okay. But in the heavenlies, over the earth, there is demonic warfare going on. There are powers and principalities of darkness. There are angels up there, and they're at war continually. And that war will go on forever until Jesus raptures the church, until Jesus sets up his earthly kingdom. But that war is a war where we have power, authority, and dominion not to allow the demonic forces in the heavenlies to take control on earth. But we, through Jesus, have been put back in charge and we have been given the keys again. Now, if you understand this, it'll change your life. So let's all say, I have the keys, have the keys. For, authority, for authority, power, power. and dominion over every demonic force because of Jesus. Now, what we have to do is to learn how do I use what I have. Your first responder, your first response is normally what opens the door to the devil or what absolutely makes the devil turn and run. James 4, 7 says that if we are submitted to God, when the devil comes, he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We resist the devil by binding the things of the devil, not accepting them, binding them. And a lot of people have a tendency to describe the challenges they're going through instead of commanding them out of their life. And when you understand that we are to command powers and principalities of darkness. When Jesus was confronted by, of all people, right after what we just read. When Jesus was confronted by all people, the very Peter who just acknowledged the right thing, and he was complimented by Jesus. And then, very shortly, and we're going to move into verse 22 here, <clears throat> very shortly... Well, let me just paraphrase a little bit of it. It's in Matthew chapter 16. I hadn't opened my Bible there yet. But in Matthew chapter 16, right after what I just shared with you, Peter decides he's got a better idea than Jesus. Have you ever thought you had a better idea than Jesus? Turn to your neighbor and say, I would never do that. <clears throat> now tell him, in my right mind, I'd never do that. In your wrong, in your wrong mind, you would do that. Okay. So, in verse 21 of Matthew 16, from this time on, Jesus began to show the disciples what they must uh, <laughs> go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and, and be killed and then raised again on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I want to read that again. Yeah. Can you just picture this scenario? 
You, you said, I, I know it's very hard for us to do, but you're hanging out with Jesus, okay? You can hang out with Jesus right now, yes. just not quite like, I can't really see him, but I can feel him. How many of you know that's true? I can't really see him, but I can feel him. His presence is here. So, so Peter's hanging out with Jesus, and he said, Jesus, this is really going well. He just complimented me. I'm feeling really good about myself, and I know you're the son of God, and I know that I can bind and loose on this earth, and it's really going well. And Jesus said, yeah, Pete, you're doing a really good job, buddy. I'm really proud of you. You're one of my top guys here. Now, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem here, and I'm going to give my life. I'm going to die on the cross, but on the third day, I'll resurrect, and things will be pretty cool. And, and, and Peter said, hey, knock it off, Jesus. This is not the way it's going to go. And, and Jesus looks at him. Now, <clears throat> how many of you realize, and please forgive me, because sometimes I can get carried away, but how many realize we're supposed to walk in love for all people? That's what I said. We should love everybody. Enable nobody. Love everybody. Enable nobody. And never be afraid to tip over somebody's apple cart. Now, here's Jesus with his buddy Peter. And they're having a good time. Could be us with one of our friends. And all of a sudden, the devil gets a hold of them. Have you ever been with somebody and you know the devil's got a hold of them? It's a good friend. I don't know what to say. Smack the crap out of them. <laughs> you might save their life. Verse 22. What does, Jesus, what does Peter say to Jesus? He says, knock it off, Jesus. This is not going to happen. The Son of God just told him what's going to happen. He said, no, that's not going to happen. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Where was that demonic force present? In Peter? Yes, it was in Peter. And Jesus decided to knock it out of him real fast. I don't know about you, but if I was hanging out by Jesus and I just got chastised like that, it would shake me up real quick. I bet Peter was shaking in his boots. What happened to you, Jesus? We were having a good time here. He let him know, and what he did was what he just said he was going to give all of us. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He could have said, oh, Peter, my man, don't think like that. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but my goodness, boy, I, it's going to be okay. Don't, please let me, let me buy a hamburger. Come on. So, you know, something that, no, no. He rebuked him. He rebuked him. We edify. We encourage. We rebuke. Because the devil has gotten in to a lot of people. And we need to be ready to speak a word in season. That's exactly what Jesus did with Peter. Now, if you understand this, you and I have to operate the keys that we have been given. If we don't operate those keys, see, it is our role, <clears throat> it is our role for heaven, Adam and Eve's role, that, that when they occupied the garden, that the garden would be like heaven. It would be perfect. Everything would be perfect in the garden. And there was only one word of instruction. Don't go near the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did they do? They did the very thing they shouldn't have done. What does mankind do? We many times do the very thing we know we shouldn't do. And what happens then is we miss God's essence and plan. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, <clears throat> Jesus said that, uh, that uh, <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When he was giving the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. So let's all say, on earth earth. as it is in heaven. Now, the devil does what we said earlier, uh, uh, walk around this earth, but we resist him steadfast in the faith. First Peter says, the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. He's looking for how he can penetrate us so that we won't bind and loose. We will just agree this is the way it is. From now until the end, don't be shocked if we have tribulation on earth. Jesus said, there will be tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome it. Jesus said that there are going to be the days of Noah on this earth. Many people think, well, I wonder if the days of Noah are coming. Well, in the days of Noah, there was child sacrifice. Sounds like abortion. The days of Noah, there was tremendous homosexuality. Sounds like America. There was tremendous marriage distress. And, and, and all sorts of sexual perversion. Sounds like America. It sounds to me like the days of Noah are here. But there is good news. Everybody say there's good news. There's good news because no matter how dark out it is, we are still in charge and we are still in authority. But if you're not careful, the Word of God says that in these days that are getting closer and closer, that the very elect will be, uh, what does it say? Will be what? Yeah, able to be uh, deceived. The very elect will be able to be deceived. In other words, you start to come in agreement. Well, yeah, I don't want anybody to be mad at me, so we need to recognize any lifestyle. We need to just get along. We need to accept everything. Sounds right. Sounds like love to me. Agape love is for everybody. Well, we love people, but we don't love sin. Jesus rebuked the demonic force in Peter, but it was in Peter where the rebuke came. In other words, we accept the sinner, but we don't accept the sin. Does that make sense? Let's just say we accept the sinner. God, yes, but we don't accept the sin. We don't change what is truth based on a situation or circumstance as who it is in. And when we get to that point, then we understand that no matter what we're going to go through, we have the power, we have the authority, and we have the dominion. So let's all say, I have the power, I have the the authority, I have the the dominion. dominion. Not to describe what we see, but to speak to the mountain and to bind and loose. We speak what the Word of God says, we loose what the Word of God says, and nothing contrary to the Word of God. What Peter did was he contradicted the Word of God in Jesus. And many times we contradict the Word of God sometimes without thinking about it because we get emotional. And we start to talk about people. And we talk about people to other people. You would be better off to go to the person and say, God just sent me here to cast the devil out of you. Uh, One-on-one, out back, somewhere, but not going to three people and say, we need to pray for Susie. No, you need to go grab Susie, drag her off in a car, and pray the devil out of her. Or Bob, or Joe, or Harry, or somebody that was uh, just out with not too long ago. Uh, uh, We we have that power. Let's, Let's say, I have the power. 
Now, some people say, and, and I know it's true, that you don't have the power over the willpower of somebody else. That's true. We have the power and authority over the devil. <clears throat> willpower of another person? Man, cast the devil out of somebody a few times in Colorado, in case you're listening to this message, and he just receives it right back again. You can't do anything about a person's will if they will to do something apart from you, but you can stand the gap for them while they're doing that. And sometimes the gap seems to be bigger and bigger and bigger, but we're still called to stand the gap. So let's all say, I'm called to stand the gap. Okay, now what I want to give you here in the time we have left is to go to the book of Ephesians. Because when you study, uh, I, I love to, stu to study history. And I love to study in the Bible. Uh, Pam reads through the Bible every year. I, I don't know how you do it, Pam. She reads through it. Now, you're going to think this is horrible as a pastor. I've read through the Bible twice. Second time, I think I cheated. But anyway, it worked, it worked for me. I can talk to God about it when I get there. But the first time was for real. Second time, it was finally, uh, it was pretty speedy reading. Uh, but but uh, sometimes, some of those chapters just get boring. It's like, in the beginning, in the beginning, whatever. But God forgive me. But, but I love to study about the time frame we're living in and what changed from the old time frame to this time frame and where we're going. My study of the Bible is that the darker things get, the more power and authority and dominion we're going to be able to exercise because we're going to have such a bright light. People are going to be drawn to it that don't even like us. They don't, you know, it's just like, I hate you, but there's something. I'll never forget the time Oral Roberts was saying, I believe God is going to call me home if we don't have, I think he needed $10 million or $5 million. I forget what it was. And, and he was a tremendous influence on my life. And, and, a, and a racetrack, uh, no, a, a, dog, a dog race guy in Florida was watching television and making fun of Oro saying that he needed a million dollars or something like that. And he said, the guy felt the presence of God say, I want you to fly to Tulsa, Oklahoma and give Oral a million dollars. And he fought it and fought it and fought it. And finally he realized, he said, I think I, I think I might die if I don't do this. He flew to Tulsa, Oklahoma, gave him a million dollars, made all the news. They said, Oral, are you going to take a million dollars from a racetrack owner? He said, yep. <laughs> the wealth of the wicked, store it up for the righteous. <clears throat> if you study... Really study, line upon line, precept upon precept. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says it's going to be hell on earth. But the men and women of God who know their God and know their authority are going to do great and mighty exploits. They're going to be thoroughly prepared and ready for what's about to happen. Now, I carry a, a little gun around with me but it's capable of reinforcing what I say. And, uh, and, and so, and, and so, so, so every, every night when I, every night when I go to, every night, if anybody leaves early night, it's your night. Every night when I go to bed, every night when I go to bed, I make sure it's on the lampstand. I pray and I say, God, in Jesus' name, there will be nobody come in this house. But if they do, let my aim be straight. <laughs> now, we need to be prepared. 
The other night, and the reason I use this as an example, the other night I got ready to go to bed, and I forgot to bring the gun in. And uh, I thought, oh, nobody's coming in. <clears throat> and so I got, I, I got in bed. Now, I don't think everybody has to have a weapon, but I think if you feel like you should, should have a weapon, you probably pray and ask God. I prayed and asked God. I have a weapon. And, ah, I'm not going to take that weapon in. And uh, so I laid down in bed, and it's all I could think about. What if tonight would be the night? And he said, excuse me, I have to go get my gun. You know, would you st stay right there in the window until I get back? That's exactly what I thought. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. I, I, excuse me, I'll be right back. I went out and got my gun. I thought, you know what? I want all of the power and all of the authority and all of the dominion to do good that God's called me to do. So therefore, when you're under pressure and all of the demonic forces come against you, it's not the time to try to figure out what to do. Your spiritual instinct should take over. But if your instinct is pick up the phone and call Mary, or call three prayer partners, and I'm all for prayer partners. Everybody say, the pastor's all for prayer partners. Or it's go find my Bible and read a certain scripture. No, when you're squeezed, something should come out of you. You shouldn't have to go somewhere. Does that make sense? In other words, if you're ready for a good fight, Paul said, I, I, I'm going to fight the good fight. I finished the race, I, and I, I did it. The Word of God in 1 Timothy says many have strayed. I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 4. I, I'm not really sure now where it is. Uh, I'm going to go to it. It's, it's too powerful scripture not to go to. Thank you, Lord. 1 Timothy <coughs> is talking about where a lot of believers are today. Uh, I think I might have had the wrong scripture there. Well, anyway, 1 Timothy chapter 4. <laughs> now the Holy Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Governor of New Jersey, doctrine of demon lives in that man. Doctor of a demon. How can you say that? Because he said it's okay for a baby to come out of the womb, lay on the table, and the mother can say to the doctor, I don't want it, and, the doc and they can smother the baby and throw it in the trash. That is a demon. That is a demon that's in that man. He is demonic, demonically inspired. We need to call him like they are. We really do. Love the man, but cast out the demon of the situation. But that's not the scripture I was looking for. The scripture I was looking for is verse 20 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings. This is what I hear a lot of people doing. Not this church but a lot of people. Did that get me off the hook? First Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, many, or some, have strayed concerning what? The faith. What is the faith on? What God said, the word of God. We have authority, power, and dominion. Oh, no, there's going to be tribulation. Oh, there's going to be short food shortage. Everything's going to be bad. Everything's going to be horrible. No, 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 no. I'm going to be fed during the tribulation. Are you going to be fed? I'm going to be fed, and I'm going to be able to feed others. It's going to be like the, oxygen, the uh, airline. When the airline, when you get in trouble on an airline, and they say, we got a problem, and we, or no, the stewardess, when you're flying, says, when the oxygen masks come down, which you hope you never see, uh, 
take care of your oxygen mask first so that you can take care of everybody else. I plan to be taken care of. How many of you plan to be taken care of? No matter how dark the world gets, I plan to have the financial ability to help people. I plan to have the food and the water and all the stuff to help people. I plan to be able to be led by the Holy Spirit with the authority and the power of God to be able to implement the will of God and the plan of God and not to stray regarding the faith. So let's all say it. We're going to be okay. If we're prepared. When you're out there on the highway and byway of life and you say, i got a serious problem today. I wonder where the pastor is. Not fine. They're predicting that we could use our that we could lose our grid system in a certain situation. Some countries have for periods of time lose our grid system, and then our communication would break down, and then everything would break down from there. I'm not confessing we are going to. I don't know if we are or not. But one thing I do know: if we lose it, I'm going to be okay because I got a communication system. That's what I said. I'm going to be okay. No matter what. Now, in Ephesians, we're going to go real fast right here because we ran out of time. I talked too long earlier. But in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, verse 20, uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, I'd encourage you all to read this because this is what it says. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers and principalities of darkness in the heavenlies. And that we take up the whole armor of God, and we don't, we don't deviate from it, but we stand. Do you have just one through seven up there? If you do, stick it up there, Sandy. And if you don't, that's fine. I understand. But it's, uh, it should have been just listed one through seven. But we, uh, we stand. There it is. Number one, we stand. So when you fall down, what do you do? You get back up. Don't just lay there and wall around. Get back up and get in practice because every once in a while we get knocked down. Number two, we live the truth. You are righteous. Act like it. Let's all say, I am righteous. So it doesn't matter. And you say, well, I just did something really bad. Repent. Don't do it again. And get back up. Get in the race. Number three, we have the peace. Peace in a troubled world. Jesus said the world will be troubled, tribulation, all that kind of thing. But be of good cheer, and I've already overcome the world. Then we got number four. It says, take the shield of faith. We always have our faith in God, Matthew eleven twenty two. God is going to take care of you because you're one of his children, but you've got to have the word of God in you. When you're squeezed, the word comes out. And when you don't know what to do, you say, Holy Spirit, show me what to do. Holy Spirit will show you. You'll know what to do. Number five, it's the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. The most powerful weapon at that time is what it was compared to. The Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide into the truth. We have the Word of God. My God will supply. My God will. What? My God will supply all my. I can do all things. So therefore, we get those scriptures in us, and we get this. It's like, this is the victory that overcomes the world. I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labor is not in vain. I feel like a truck ran over me. I feel like my friends have defriended me. I don't know what to do. My checkbook looks terrible, but I know this. I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. You repeat something long enough and consistently enough, you will eventually... And that works for the demonic as well as the spiritual. You believe long enough in gay marriage. You entertain that thought long enough. 
You entertain. We don't want anybody to feel bad about themselves. I don't want anybody to feel bad about themselves. You'll eventually believe it. Folks, you never embrace sin. You embrace the sinner. Let's all say it. We don't embrace sin. We embrace the sinner. Jesus embraced the woman caught in the midst of adultery. He didn't embrace her sin. As a matter of fact, he said, where are your condemners? They're nowhere. Neither do I condemn you. God is not a condemnation God. He doesn't condemn us. He condemns the devil. The devil's already condemned. Number six, praying always in the spirit. I'm going to share on this sometime, maybe in May or whenever, but, but praying in the spirit without our understand, and with our understanding. I felt like the Lord spoke to me the other day. Go back to some of the original books you used to read. First one I picked up was Still Doing the Impossible by Oral Roberts. How he built a university that is impacting the entire world today. And he did it when he told, when he, told he couldn't do it. He did it when he said, they told him he couldn't have the land. He did it when he didn't have any money. But he walked the land and he prayed in the Holy Spirit. He prayed in tongues. And he prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues and prayed with his understanding and prayed with his understanding and prayed with his understanding. If you don't pray in tongues, you're not ready for the fight that's coming. You may have prayed in tongues, but you don't do it like you used to. You're not ready for the fight that's coming because your first responder is going to have to be praying in tongues. Your first responder is going to have to be praying in the Spirit and praying with your understanding. Praying with the Spirit, praying with your understanding. You'll be driving down the road praying in the Spirit, and God will say, get off this street. Why would I want to get off this street? You don't have to know why. You just need to get off that street. You need to know how to, how to obey the voice of the Lord through praying in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God will pray through you. If you, if you have not been baptized, we're going to come right back to this one. <coughs> Number seven, it says, it says that we are ambassadors for God. And that we have, it says, uh, I'm going to read this one, uh, verse number 19. For me, the utterance may be given to me, but that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm, ambas I'm an ambassador in chains, and that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's all say, I'm an ambassador. <laughs> Let's all stand. <coughs> I am, and let's say it again, I'm an ambassador. We are an ambassador on an assignment from God representing the heavenly God that we serve and that he gives us the authority and the ability to act on his behalf and to speak the word of God, to believe the word of God, and to have authority and power and dominion. Now, if you have never prayed in tongues, you can do so tonight. We're not going to stand here at the altar tonight. It's 8 o'clock, and we're going to dismiss you. But I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Because there is no question. All you've got to do is open your mouth and begin to pray and ask God to do it. When I, when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I heard people speak another tongue, I thought they were weird. Number one, I thought they were weird when they raised their hands. Number two, they were really weird when they started speaking another tongue. And I thought, that's not for me. And one day, night in the shower, I'm in the shower just singing and doing whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like, glory to God, I got that stuff. And once you get it, you know you got it. But you can lay it dormant. You can lay it dormant. And if you're not stirring it up, keeping that gift stirred up, I believe that's what... Paul was talking to Timothy about Second First Timothy, First First Timothy, one seven, right? Yeah, uh, stir up that gift, Timothy. You, you, it's going dormant. He didn't say that in scripture, but I think he was saying, Timothy, you're, you're hanging your head. Don't hang your head. Start praying in spirit. Stir up that gift.
How many of you have never prayed in tongues? And want to? Okay, lift them real high. Lift them real high. Okay, some of you believers go on over there to those people right now. Let's go on over there and just lay hands on them. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person. The rest of us, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, let the baptism of the Holy Spirit fall on each one of these with their hands raised. Lord, whether the manifestation comes at this moment or whether it comes later on tonight in their shower, in their bath, or wherever they're going, let it come. Now the rest of us pray with fervency. Those of you that want this baptism, open your mouth and let words flow. Now, for those of you that we just prayed for, for those of you that just prayed, we prayed for, when I was told about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I said, I, I, I think I would really like it, but I don't know. If you didn't start praying in tongues at this very moment, don't be discouraged. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will come upon anyone that wants it. If you lifted your hands, you told God, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's all lift our hands right now. Father, I pray for every single person here tonight. Lord, I pray that the baptism of the Holy Spirit within us would intensify for the fight that we have, the fight of faith to move on with you and to accomplish your plan and your purpose. For each one that does not have it, I pray that tonight, either now or later this evening, that that baptism will manifest in their life. I bind every, every force that would try to come against them. All of you that had lifted your hands, I want you to say right now, I forgive those who have come against me and I release them now in Jesus' name. Now, we're bowed in prayer. I want to ask you, do you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Maybe you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're like a prodigal child. You've drifted away. Let tonight be the night you make that decision, the right decision that will change your life. And if you're not sure tonight, if you'd go to be with Jesus if you died, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Anyone at all. see your hand you've been going from church a long time you need to get back in here where you belong let's pray this prayer Jesus I believe that you're the son of God I believe you died for my sins I've sinned I've made mistakes but I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior I ask you to come into my heart to take control of my life the true desire of my heart is to serve you to be all that you've called me to be Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. Lord, for the plan, the purpose. We have the authority. We have the dominion. We have been restored just as Adam and Eve were before the fall. And that now there is an assignment for us. And that truly we are on assignment for you to complete your plan for our life.
we desire to complete that in Jesus' name. Let's all make this confession. I am on this earth, but for a brief time, on an assignment from God, anointed by God, with power, authority, dominion, and boldness, I will complete my assignment because it is the will of God and because it is my will. Can you say amen to that? Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed. This is the day the Lord has made.